All right. Well, good morning and welcome to uh, Daring Faith, the Key to Miracles. We're going to kick off our series this week uh, with kind of an introduction. Uh, and then we'll jump in uh, next week um, as well and really begin walking through um, the, the week-to-week stuff that, that we've been talking about. Hey, if you're new this morning, my name is Pastor Zach, and um, uh, I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, this Daring Faith that you hear everybody kind of talking about, like, well, what is that? Well, Daring Faith is a, a 10-week time of focus that we're taking as a church to really press into God and ask God to grow our faith, to challenge our faith, encourage our faith like never before. And so um, if you're your first time here today, you came at just the right time um, because you can jump in uh, on this with us. And, you know, it's kind of interesting because um, this is Virginia um, and it's October and um, there's a surfboard out there and there's like waves and, you know, like this whole kind of thing. It's like, what does that have to do with what's going on? Well, well, daring faith is, is kind of like this. That we, when, you, when you're surfing, and I don't know much about it, but I know enough. Um, but when you're surfing, you don't create the wave, right? I mean, you know, you don't create the wave that's going to come. What you do is you look out for the wave, and then you get to that wave, and then you ride that wave as long as possible. And that wave takes you where you want or it wants you to go. Well, God's work and God's movement is kind of like that wave. Listen, we don't make God work. We don't tell God what he's going to do. Our job as followers of Jesus is to look for the waves of God, the movement of God, the working of God. And then when we see that wave, we want to paddle out, get to that wave and ride that wave of God's movement, God's power in our life, right? As long as we can, trusting him to take us where he wants us to go. And I believe this, that God is bringing us a new wave as a church and that God wants for us to jump on with that wave. And that's what Daring Face is really all about. It's about getting on that wave and then trusting God to take us where he wants us to go, relying on his power and his direction. And that's what we believe Daring Faith is going to be all about. And we're going to be talking for these 10 weeks about this idea of faith. And because faith is the foundation of everything else that we believe and that we do and who we are as followers of Jesus. That faith is the foundation. Faith opens the door to a relationship with God through Jesus. But then faith also paves that way. It guides us, directs us to how we live out the the fullness of life that God has come to give to you and to me. Do you realize this today? Do you know this, that God wants the best for you? That God in his love wants the best for your life. That he wants to direct your life. He wants to lead your life. He wants to guide your life. And he wants to bless your life. And he wants you to, to follow him and follow his ways. And that's done through faith. Let's look at a couple of verses we begin. Uh, Romans 1.17, says, it says, The gospel shows us how God makes people right with himself, that it begins and ends with faith. The scripture says those who are right with God will live by trusting him. So everything begins and ends with faith. This whole idea of Christianity, this whole idea of being a follower of Jesus, it's all about faith. And those who have been made right with God, who've had their sins forgiven, who have trusted him, God invites us to then live by faith. Hebrews eleven six tells us this, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. That right there is enough reason why we should focus on our faith for 10 weeks. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And, and I'm here today, and, and you're here today, many of you, because your desire is you want to please God. And you may be here saying, I don't really know God. I don't know if there is a God and you're searching, but you're looking for that reality that, that, listen, we want our lives to matter. And the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we want to talk about faith. Well, if faith is the foundation of everything and we need to have daring faith, well, what is faith? How do we define faith? Well, let me share a couple of things that faith is not first. Number one is this, is that faith is not desire. Desire and faith are two different things. Listen, I can desire with, with great intensity a mansion on the beach. I can desire it. I can desire it. I can want it. That doesn't mean it's faith. That desire and faith actually sometimes go the opposite direction. Sometimes our desires can keep us from really living out our faith because our desires are different than what God would want for us. So faith is not about what we desire necessarily. And the second thing is this, is that faith is not about pretending that something is true that isn't true. 
So faith is not about pretending and trying to convince ourselves that something is true that really isn't true. Faith has to be based on something that is true. It's like I can have incredible faith that Taco Bell is one of the four major food groups, right? I can have incredible faith that that bean burrito or that beefy five-layer burrito or that enchilada or that cheesy gordita crunch, I go to Taco Bell a lot, you can tell, right? I, I can believe with everything in me, right, that if I eat Taco Bell, it's gonna help me be healthy. It's gonna help me lose weight. It's gonna add years to my life instead of taking years away from my life. And I can believe that. Listen, I can wear T-shirts. I can have a sign. I can preach a message. Like, I mean, listen, I can do everything you want about how great Taco Bell is, but here's the reality. None of that's true. See, faith is not trying to convince ourselves about something that's not true. Faith, real faith, is based on truth. And so we want to talk about that today. The next thing is this, is faith isn't a feeling. Faith isn't about a feeling. In fact, sometimes our feelings um, actually keep us from doing what faith requires because we don't feel like doing that. We don't feel like this is the right thing. We don't feel like we can. And see, faith is not a feeling. And the last thing is this, is that faith is not bargaining with God. Faith is not saying to God, God, you do this, then I'll do that. God, you take the first move and you make sure everything's gonna be okay, then I'll take that step of faith and follow you. In fact, oftentimes faith is going where you're hoping God's gonna meet you. So those are some things that faith is, is not. Well, what is faith? Well, take out your message notes and, and write this down. Faith is seeing from God's point of view. The, the faith, it ultimately, it's seeing from God's point of view. Listen, we can see many different things from many different perspectives and different points of view. There's different experiences, different angles. But faith is learning to see things from God's point of view. Look at Hebrews 11.1 1 on your note sheet. It says, what is faith? It's the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. And then to be certain of things that we do not yet see. So faith is having a confident assurance. And it's a confident assurance in what? That things might happen, that things may happen, that they could happen. No, that, that, that things will happen. That we're certain things are going to happen. That's why it's so important to have faith in truth. Because it's about having a certainty. Well, it's having a certainty about what? About things that we do not yet see. See, faith is ultimately about vision. It's about how we see life, how we understand life, how we live our life. And so faith is really learning how to see this life from God's point of view, not from our understanding, but from his understanding, not from our definition of truth, but from his definition of truth. That's the ultimate idea of what faith is. And what we want to do throughout this Daring Faith series is, is that we want God to grow our faith so that we can more and more see our lives and our challenges and our opportunities and, and, and the things that are, are happening in us and happening to us, that we can see those things more and more through God's point of view. Because that ultimately will lead us to the greatest life possible. And here's the prayer really for for this, the prayer that, that Paul prayed in Ephesians 1.18. He said, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be flooded with light so that you can see the wonderful future God has promised to those he called. And that's our prayer for daring faith, that God would, would open the eyes of our heart, that he would help us to understand more and more about who he is, about what faith really looks like, about how we can live with daring faith so that we can learn more and more to see life from God's point of view. Because his point of view is what leads us to this life of fullness and meaning and purpose and satisfaction and abundance. And so today what I want to do is this, is, is I want to begin because seeing things through God's point of view, seeing things through the, the lens of faith, the, 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 the eyes of faith is the opposite of what some of us do, which is see life through the eyes of fear. And I want to talk this morning about what happens and why it's so important that we learn to see life through the eyes of faith instead of seeing life through the eyes of fear. And just kind of provide a foundation for where we're going to go for the remaining weeks of this series and this campaign. 
Uh, if you have a Bible, turn to uh, Numbers chapter 13 and 14 or on your tablet or, uh, or um, phone or whatever and, and, and kind of stay there because we're going to spend a lot of time there. It's kind of a foundation. And then uh, we'll share some other things too. The verses are going to be on the screen. They're going to be um, in your message notes as well. But Numbers chapter 13 and 14 tells the story of two groups of people. One who sees a potential problem, who sees a potential situation through the eyes of fear, and one who sees it through the eyes of faith, and the difference in what resulted in their life because of that. And here's kind of the background. That God has a nation of people in the Old Testament called Israel. And he called this nation to be his nation, to be his people. And the Hebrew people find themselves in slavery in Egypt for over 400 years. Now they're oppressed, they're being taken advantage of, they're, they're being kept in captivity, they're, being, um, they're suffering. And so, you know, they're, they're living life in this really horrible time and place. And so we find that they cry out to God that God would deliver them, God would rescue them from this life of a slave. And so God sends a man named Moses to go and to uh, be his mouthpiece and his vehicle to, to lead in a very miraculous way the people out of slavery in Egypt. And so God sends 10 different plagues, if you know the story, or maybe you've seen the movie, that to use this to get the attention of the Pharaoh. And, and then the Pharaoh finally says, okay, take the people away. And so Moses leads out this entire nation of Hebrew people to, to go out of Egypt, and they're pursued by the Egyptians, and God parts the Red Sea and allows the Hebrew people, the Israelites, to cross, and then he closes the Red Sea over the pursuing enemy, rescuing them again in a very, very miraculous, spectacular way. And now God is leading them to this place called the promised land, this land that he was going to give to them, that he promised that he would give to them many, many hundreds of years before, that he promised would be their land, the place where they would be established as his people. And so as they begin to get closer to this, God tells Moses to begin preparing the people by sending out a scouting party to check out the promised land. Look with me, Numbers 13, 1 and 2. So the Lord said to Moses, some men, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. From the ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So he says, I want you to send 12 men, one from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Tell them to go and explore this land because they've never seen the promised land. Nobody knows where they're going. They don't know if the promises of God are true. This is going to be an incredible place to live and be established as a people. And so Moses sends 12 men to go. They go and explore the land and they come back and they bring back a mixed report. Two of the men come back saying, listen, the land is incredible. It's everything that God said it was going to be. It's everything God promised us. And there's nations there and there's people there. But listen, God is going to give us victory to go and claim the land that is ours, to go and claim the land that, that God has given to us, that God has this, that we need to have faith and we need to not be afraid. And then there were the other 10 of those who went, who came back with a little different report. They said, yeah, you know what? The land is incredible. It is everything that we hoped it would be, that God had promised us it would be. But listen, there are some people living there that we can't defeat. There's no way that we can go and take the land that God has given to us. We're going to get slaughtered. We're going to get decimated. And they begin to spread this negative report around to the other people of this nation. And the nation decides to not trust God and enter the promised land. And so God becomes angry with the people because they're choosing to live with, through the eyes of fear and not the eyes of faith. And Moses, their leader, comes to God and says, God, forgive the people for their lack of faith. Forgive the people for not having daring faith, not trusting you. And here's what God says. Look at Numbers 14, 20 through 23. It says, the Lord replied, I've forgiven them as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me 10 times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. So God says, listen, I forgive the people. I love the people unconditionally. I forgive them. But because they lack faith, they will not enter my promised land. 
because they chose to live their lives looking at life through the eyes of faith, through their point of view, they're gonna miss out on the incredible things that I had in store for them. See, when we live our lives without faith and we live our lives through the eyes of fear, we miss out on the promises and the blessings and the power of God's working in our life. See, God still loved the people. God forgave the people. When we lack faith, he still loves us and he'll forgive us, but we miss out on what he has in store. But remember, there were two other guys, a guy named Caleb and a guy named Joshua who had faith. And here's what God said about them, specifically Caleb. Numbers 14, 24 to 25, it says, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly. I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. So he says, listen, these people who rejected me, who chose to live not from my point of view and not have faith in me, they're gonna miss out. They will not enter the promised land. And God sent the people for 40 years to wander in the wilderness till that generation all passed away. And then he led a new generation into the promised land. But, but there was one guy, there were a couple guys, Caleb and Joshua, who they got to experience the promise. Why? Because they had daring faith. And because of their faith, because they saw God's potential and power and promise, they got to experience it firsthand. You see, we have that same choice to make in our lives. Are you gonna live, am I gonna live my life? Are we gonna live our lives looking at life through the eyes of fear or the eyes of faith? And if we look through the eyes of fear, there's the natural pattern of what's gonna happen in our life that we see happening here to the Hebrew people. But if we live through the eyes of faith, a whole different pattern will evolve. So here's what I wanna do in the time that we have today is I wanna to talk to you first about what happens when we see through the eyes of fear. What happens when we see through the eyes of fear? What do we learn from the, the Israelite people about what happens? And then I wanna to talk to you about how, what happens when we see through the eyes of faith. So write these down. First thing, when, when we see through the eyes of fear, this happens. We tend to exaggerate our difficulties. We tend to exaggerate our difficulties. We tend to make our problems bigger than maybe they really are. Look at Numbers 13, 27 to 28. It says, we went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's the fruit. They're, they're having to carry all this fruit back from the promised land saying, look at this. I mean, this is a great place. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. Okay, well, who are the descendants of Anak? Well, the descendants of Anak are basically giants. They're very tall, very strong, very intimidating people. And they said, listen, the land is great, but. Isn't it funny how their butt kept them on their butt, right? Think about that. Their butt kept them on their butt. They said, listen, it's, it's great. We need to go, but we're not going to go anywhere, right? And see, how often does that happen in our life? We say, God, yes, God, I'll follow you, but this, or but, but that, but this, and, and our butts keep us on ours, right? And see, they begin to exaggerate their problems. They begin to only focus on the, the, the challenges that were before them instead of the God who had brought them there. Here's what's the craziest thing, is God had just delivered them from slavery in Egypt by parting the Red Sea, by sending 10 plagues, by providing for them as they're traveling through this desert area. And instead of focusing on God and what God could do, they focused on their problems. And isn't it interesting how when we focus only on our problems, how our problems seem to get bigger and bigger and bigger? Especially if you struggle with being a kind of a negative person. It's like you look at the problem and you look at it once and you say, oh, that, that's gonna be hard. You look at it again, you say, oh, that's gonna be really hard. You look at it again and you're kind of like convincing yourself of all the reasons of why that really can't happen whatsoever. And then you begin to share that with other people and you begin to say, listen, look how hard this is. And they're like, oh yeah, that's pretty hard. And you begin to say, look, man, this would be impossible for me to do. And they say, oh, that'd be really impossible. You could never do that. 
God would never have you go there. God would never have you sacrifice that. And then you get in this circle of negativity and negativity becomes very contagious. And see, that's what can happen in our life. Look at Numbers 13, 31 through 32, because it says that the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And then they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they explored. So they begin to share this bad report and everybody begin to become fearful and negative. So when we look through the eyes of fear, oftentimes we exaggerate our difficulties. We make them bigger than they really are. Or we put our focus on the problem and not the God who brought us to the place we are. The second thing they did was they didn't just exaggerate their difficulties, they underestimated their own abilities. They underestimated their own abilities. Look at this, Numbers 13, 33. says, we saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak came from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. I mean, that's pretty low, right? Basically, you're saying these people are giants. They're warriors. They're powerful. We're bugs, right? we're, We're nobody. But not only did they have that impression of themselves, here's what they said. They said, and we look the same to them. Now, how do we know that the people of the land thought they were just basically bugs? We have no idea. But see, what happens is, is that when we become negative, we exaggerate our difficulties and we underestimate our own abilities, we begin to put our own insecurities about ourselves into the mouths of other people, whether they believe that or not. And now all of a sudden, that one thing that that person said or that one thing that person did to us, everybody is saying the same thing. Everybody feels the same way, whether it's true or not. And all of a sudden, we sit back as the victim thinking that everybody's against us, when in reality, we have no idea what people are thinking. But see, when we look through the eyes of fear, we allow other people's definitions of us to become our definition of ourselves. Because here's the thing, because sometimes, listen, that person said something that hurt you. That person did something that hurt you. And for some of you, the reason why you can't get past where you are in your faith is because you're not willing to embrace the idea that maybe not everybody's saying the same thing. See, they said, listen, we're, we're like grasshoppers and everybody thinks so. But what we understand is this is not everybody thought so. The Bible tells us later, years and years later, when the Israelite people went into the promised land, the people that were living in the promised land, who they were so fearful of, actually were afraid of the Israelites. It said that that we were afraid because you were camped outside of the land and we knew that your God was a God who delivered you by parting the Red Sea, by sending plagues. We were scared to death of you. And the Israelites are kind of like, no, no, we were scared to death of you. And and, and who, I mean, it's like, they froze because of fear. And and listen, and and it was unfounded. The descendants of Anak, those giant people, when they got into the promised land, they were the most peaceful and calm of all the people they faced. See, they made assumptions based upon their problems and not the God who had brought them there. So we do the same thing though, right? We tend to exaggerate our difficulties. We underestimate our abilities. And then what happens is, is we get discouraged. We get discouraged. Number three, they got discouraged and we get discouraged. Look at Numbers 14, one it says that night, all the members of the community raised their voices and they wept aloud. Now, all the members of the community, we're talking like around a million people. That is one massive pity party, right? I mean, they're just, they're sitting around and they're like, man, these people are so huge. We're so small. Yeah, we're horrible. Yeah, we're this. And then they just got together and they just begin to cry and they begin to, they begin to just complain and, well, actually, that's going to be the next thing, but they just got discouraged. And, and, and in getting discouraged, it's interesting because what was keeping them out of the promised land? It wasn't the people, really, and it wasn't God. What kept them out of the promised land at first was it was their fear because they saw the situation through eyes of fear. 
And it caused them to exaggerate their difficulties, to underestimate their abilities, and it got them discouraged. And then the fourth thing is what happens when you get discouraged? Well, we begin to complain about our lives. We begin to complain about our lives. Here's what they did. Numbers 14, 2 says, All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If we'd only died in Egypt or in the wilderness. They begin to blame. And, and that's what happens, right? We get discouraged. Things aren't working out. We got to find somebody to blame. They begin to blame the people in charge. They begin to blame Moses and Aaron. They said, well, it's, it's their fault. I mean, man, we were better off. We should have just died in Egypt. Why are we finding ourselves all the way out here? And they begin to complain and they, they begin to put all this negativity on Moses and on Aaron, on these leaders that, you know, really, maybe it really wasn't their fault necessarily, but it was just kind of where it was. And they begin to complain, they begin to gripe. And then the last thing that happened really can happen to us too. It's this, is that then we eventually give up and we begin to blame God. That's number five. We exaggerate our difficulties. We underestimate our abilities. We get discouraged. We begin to complain and then we just give up and we blame God. Look what they said in Numbers 14, three. He said, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? See, the truth is, is that for some of us, for some of you, some people in this room, this is where you are. Seeing through the eyes of fear and the problems and difficulties in your life has caused you to get to a place where you feel like giving up, or maybe you already have. So you know what? It would be better to just go back to the way things were. It'd be better just to give up on trying to follow God because it just seems like it's just been making things harder. I just need to go back to what I was doing before. It's just so much easier to sleep in on Sunday. It's just so much easier to, to not give my money and just have it with what I want to spend it for. It's so much easier to not volunteer. It's so much easier to just kind of play the church game, but just, just, just do that. And listen, it's so easy to get to that point. But do you realize what they were saying when they said, we'd be better off to go back to Egypt? They were saying, we would be better off to go back to a life of slavery. A life that we cried out to be saved from. But see, that's what happens when we look through the eyes of fear. Is it can lead us to a point where we become so fearful, we become so negative, we become so looking at life from our point of view that it causes us to just want to give up and miss out on all that God has for us. And see, just like in their life, when we choose that way of living, when we choose to live not from God's point of view, but from our point of view, we choose to live through the eyes of fear we find ourselves following that same pattern. Our problems get exaggerated. Our own abilities and the ability of God gets minimized. We get discouraged. We begin to complain and then we begin to blame people and ultimately we blame God. And we want to just give up. But see, it doesn't have to be like that. See, you don't have to live through the eyes of Fear. I don't have to live through the eyes of fear. And the Bible tells us, listen, if we'll choose to not live through the eyes of fear, but through the eyes of faith, that God will then bring a whole different pattern of living. He'll bring us to a whole different place. Write, write these down. What happens when we choose to live through the eyes of faith? Well, the first thing is this, is that faith can shrink our problems. Faith can shrink our problems. Because our problems don't, it's not the size of our problems, right? It's the size of our God. That when we have the right perspective, God can overcome our problems. God can be bigger than any difficulty. God can do what seems to be impossible. Look at a couple of verses. Uh, Genesis 18.4. Is anything too hard for the Lord? The answer to that question is no. And faith begins to believe and faith sees that from God's point of view, nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is too powerful for God. Nothing is too wrecked for God to not restore. And look at this, Luke one thirty seven. 
But with God, everything is possible. See, when we begin to learn what it means to live through the eyes of faith, we begin to understand that nothing is impossible for God. That there's no sin that he can't forgive. There's no brokenness that he can't mend. There's no situation that he can't work through. There's no grief that he can't support us in. There's nothing that can come into our life that is more powerful than God's ability to work through what we're going through. But if we see through the eyes of fear, we become overwhelmed. But when we see through the eyes of faith, we become empowered. And we can stand and say, God is bigger than that. And our problems become smaller, not larger. Same thing that happened is this, is not only does faith shrink our problems, but faith opens the door for a miracle. Faith opens the door for a miracle. See, here, here's the thing. I'm just going to kind of be honest with you, right? is depending on your background, depending on kind of how you grew up, what you believe, kind of maybe where you did church as a kid, like that word miracle means different things to you. Now, I grew up in Texas at a very conservative, kind of stuffy Southern Baptist church. And miracles were what the crazy Christians talked about, right? Right? That was the church down the road that they talked about miracles. We don't want miracles. Like we want little miracles, right? But like God doing something like really crazy, that freaked us out. And so maybe you have this weird idea of miracles as like this crazy snake handling kind of like, you know, people falling out in the aisle and like crazy stuff. Wrecking, like, listen, here's what a miracle is. A miracle is simply God making possible that which without him is impossible. It's God making possible that which without him is impossible. And miracles can be really big and miracles can be really small. But anytime that God shows up and does something that couldn't have happened any other way, that is a miracle. And so when we talk about, listen, I believe that God throughout this campaign is going to do miracles in your life. It's not something to be afraid of. It's not something to be freaked out by. It's not something to resist and say, well, I, I don't want God to do something really crazy because I, you know, I don't want to be like those crazy Christian people. Listen, when God shows up in our life and works in a miraculous way, that's a good thing. Well, does God still do miracles? Absolutely. Absolutely. You're going to hear stories throughout this campaign of God doing miraculous things. Some seemingly really big and some seemingly, you know, it's kind of like, okay, that's pretty cool. But in each of those points, it's a miracle. And what I don't want you to do is what we're tempted to do is when you hear a story like Heather's and, you know, she has this bill, $325 and she goes to the the mailbox and she pulls out this check for $325 and 75 cents to go, oh, that's a cute story. That's a coincidence. Oh, you know that. No, that's a miracle. Why? Because she had no other way to solve her problem except God stepping in. And God's going to do that for some of you in this campaign. God's done that for some of you in your life. God's done that for me. And part of what's going to happen in this campaign is we need to begin to share stories of God making impossible things possible. So that when somebody else faces that seemingly impossible thing, they can have faith that that can be made possible. Listen, y'all are going to have to get fired up a little bit more about miracles in this church. Because we're too comfortable as followers of Jesus kind of coming in, checking the box on Sunday, doing our Christian thing, living our life the way we want to and not trusting God in faith. You're going to get uncomfortable during this series. I'm sorry. It's going to happen. I'm really not sorry, but I'm just trying to be nice. Okay? Listen, because if we're not careful, we will live our whole lives being really good church people and missing out on the power of God and the purpose of God for you and for me. And I don't want to just be a good church person. I don't want to look back and see somebody else's story of God working their life in a miraculous way and thinking, why did he never work in my life that way? Well, it might be because I never gave him a chance. Right? When we choose to put our faith in him, it opens the door for us to do a miracle. And here's the thing. Look at number four or number three is that faith, our faith, here's how it works. Our faith moves God to act on our behalf. 
See, why is it that for some of us, we don't see God showing up and doing impossible things, showing up and doing things that were unexpected, that, that meeting our needs and doing stuff like that. Why is it that for some of us, we don't seem to see God really working in our life? It's because we're not putting our lives in a place that gives God an opportunity to even work. Because if I'm going to live my life where I've got it all handled, I've got it all figured out, I never have to rely on God, then God's not going to show up and do a miracle, right? It's only when we find ourselves in a position where we need God to show up that God can show up. And see, what happens is is that faith, seeing life from God's point of view, like when that happens, it it, it moves God to act on our behalf. Let me say this. God is not like a genie in a bottle, right? He's not like a genie that says, listen, I make a wish and God does what I want. Or he's not like a vending machine where I like, you know, put in so many prayers and say so many different things and press A7 and God's going to give me A7. Like he doesn't work like that. God is not there to serve my whim, right? But the Bible tells me and he tells you that we determine and we decide because and through our faith how much God is going to bless our life. Look at Matthew 9, 29. It says, according to your faith, it will be done to you. According to your faith, that is how God is going to work. So if I have a little faith, God is going to work in little ways. If I have an every now and then faith, then God is going to work every now and then. But if I have a big faith, that positions God to work in big ways. If I have a lot of faith and I live constantly with faith, then that requires and allows God to work consistently and constantly and in big ways in my life. See, Jesus says, according to your faith, it will be done to you. That's why we need to grow in our faith. Because when we grow in our faith, God begins to have more opportunities to work in our life in these incredible ways. So we need to do that. Look at number four. Faith not only does all these things, but it also unlocks the promises of God. Is that faith unlocks the promises of God. Listen, there are over 7,000 promises in the Bible. 7,000 promises. One pastor says it this way. He says, there's there's over 7,000 blank checks in the Bible waiting for you to sign and to claim. Because see, God's promises are true. Remember how we said faith is not about trying to convince yourself something's true that's not true? We can have faith in God because God is truth. His promises are true. And look what he says about his promises in 2 Corinthians 1.20. It says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are all yes in Christ. So what is God's response to us about the promises he's given, given to us? It's yes. That if I've made you this promise, then we can count on God's promise. And we need to trust in that. And faith, it, it unlocks the, the promises, all the promises of God for our life. And we've got to understand that so we can begin to live that out. Fifth thing is this, is that faith turns God-given dreams into reality. So when we choose to see our life through the eyes of faith, to look through the eyes of faith, then faith brings and makes those those God-given dreams and passions and ideas that he's given to us, he turns those into reality. We're going to spend a whole session on Sunday morning talking about daring to dream. So we're not going to talk a ton about it, but, but here's what I want to say to you. Listen, is that nothing happens until somebody starts dreaming. Nothing will happen until we start dreaming. And we're going to be challenged to dream big, to dream big in our families, to dream big in our relationships, to dream big in our life, in our vocations, in our faith, to dream big in our finances, to to dream big so God can do big things through us. That we want to dream they look at Ephesians 3.20. It says, glory be to God who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we ever dare to ask or even dream. Infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. No matter how big your dream is, it pales in comparison to the power of God and what he can do in your life. So we need to learn how to dream big in faith takes the God-given dreams that he's given to us, the things that he wants for us, he's called us to do, called us to be about, he turns those things into reality. And the last thing is this, is that faith gives us the power to hold on during tough times. Listen, faith shrinks our problems, it opens 
our lives up for miracles. It, it moves God, our faith moves God to act and it unlocks his promises. It turns dreams into reality, but it also helps us to hold on during tough times. And why is that so important? Because faith doesn't always take you out of the problem you're in. See, so often God doesn't want to save you from your problem. He wants to save you through your problem. Is that faith doesn't always just make things easier just like that. Faith doesn't always, you know, turn out the way that we think it will at the time that we think it will. And so when we face hard times, we've got to be people that say our faith is going to allow us to trust God enough to see life through his point of view so much that we're going to be able to hold on during tough times. Look what uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9. It says, we're pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We're not perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Paul's saying, listen, is that hard times are going to come. Difficult times are going to come. Challenging times are going to come. And, but we understand through faith that we are never defeated that God always has the last word. That we can always have hope. We can always find peace. We can always see God work. And while we wait for him to work, our faith allows us to hold on. So we have a choice in our lives to live life through the eyes of fear or through the eyes of faith. Daring faith is an opportunity for those of us who will say, I wanna live by faith to grow in that faith. During phase of time, we're going to say, listen, for these 10 weeks, we're going to focus specifically on how does faith work itself out in our life in a way that will lead us to see life from God's point of view, because that's what faith is. And so here's the question I have for you this morning. And then I want to share one more thing with you and we'll dismiss. Are you seeing through the eyes of fear or through the eyes of faith? If you were to be honest today with, with me, honest with God right here in this place, are you living your life more through the eyes of fear or through the eyes of faith? And maybe don't be so broad about it, but look at that situation you're going through, that choice you're having to make, that difficulty that's come your way. Are you seeing that through the eyes of fear or through the eyes of faith? But because faith is the thing that will unlock God's power and his purpose in our life. And it will lead us to experience that full life that Jesus said he's come to give us. So how do you make the most of daring faith? Some of you are brand new this morning and you're kind of like, okay, that's, that's great, but what do I do during faith? Like, I want to grow my faith. What am I supposed to do? Some of you guys have been here for a while and you're kind of like, okay, all right, maybe I need to get behind this. Maybe I need to jump in. But like, specifically, what can you do to position yourself to be grown in your faith throughout this campaign? Well, look at the back of your note sheet. I'll walk through these things real quick. Some practical next steps. The first one is this, is if you wanna grow in daring faith, and we've talked about this for multiple weeks, you need to join or host a daring faith small group. You need to join or host a daring faith small group, and it's not too late to do that today. You, you can still get into a group, you can still host a group. It's not too late to do that today. Groups are starting this week. This first week's more of a hangout time. So if you can't get to the group meeting this week, you're not gonna miss anything. You can connect with people later, right? It's not too late to do that. And here's what I wanna do. I wanna show you a short video of a guy in our church who's kind of just like me and you, right? Who God has put on his heart to join a group. And I want you to hear kind of his story of kind of how God did that and then maybe why you should do the same thing or consider that. You gotta check this out. Hi, my name is Mark Salafia and I'll be hosting a Daring Faith small group starting this weekend. Um, I think the idea of hosting originally came to me uh, the first day that it was introduced by Pastor Zach. And um, for whatever reason, I can't even explain it, uh, I was pretty, pretty quick to make a determination that's something that I wanted to do. Um, totally out of my comfort zone, which is part of the, part of the, of the campaign. I felt like this was a great opportunity for me to, to jump in and do something in a capacity that won't allow me to, to limp through it or to do it um, you know, 30 or 40 or 50%. So 
the fact that it's only a seven-week program um, put me in a position where I was really excited to to uh, to take it on and um, I actually made the decision and then told my wife a couple weeks after and you know it's 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 with a group of people that that I know um, pretty well and and I'm excited to uh, to jump out and do something very different and see where it takes me you always hear people say you can do anything for 20 seconds or 30 seconds I, th I thought you know you can do anything for for seven weeks and certainly you can be a part of it so join a group So Mark's a guy just like, just like all of us, right, who's got a busy schedule. He's a business owner. He's got kids. He's got a family. And for him, though, he said, you know what? This is worth the time. And here's what's cool is that part of the story that you didn't get a chance to hear was what motivated him to now want to host was uh, about six months ago, he was invited to be part of a small group. And that small group has impacted his life and his faith so much, he now says, I want to create an opportunity for other people to experience that same thing. So listen, it's not too late. If you want to join a small group or you want to host a group um, in your worship guide, there's this form right here. It says group sign up. Take some time as soon as we're done. Fill this out. And then take that to Campaign Central. There's a table in the lobby and they'll get your information. And our small groups coordinator, Barbara, will get connected with you and we'll get you hooked up. And we'll figure it out. Listen, I'm hosting a group and we're, we, we have the same struggle you guys do. There's not a good night for everybody. There's not a perfect time. But you know what? We're going to do the best that we can because we believe that God's going to use small groups to be a part of what he wants to do in our life. So you can join that. Second thing is this, is I want to encourage you to get a study guide and then read the 40 daily devotions starting not, not today, but next Sunday um, and be a part of this. So if you're in a small group or you're planning to be in a small group, you're going to have a chance to purchase your book at your small group first meeting. Um, if you can't be in a small group and, and listen, you still want to be a part of this, I want to encourage you to pick up a book. They're available at Campaign Central. They're five bucks. The books originally are $10. We're paying half. If you can pay half, that would be great. Um, if you can't pay that $5, listen, take a book as our gift to you because we don't want you to miss out. And then we gave you guys today as well this uh, bookmark that has a reading schedule on it. So if you're like, okay, well, when do I start? When do I do day one? It's all right here. And it starts actually this next Sunday where we'll start reading those together. So grab one of those. Next thing is this is, Commit to being a part of the 10 sermon series uh, on Sunday morning. So for the next 10 weeks or nine weeks now, you guys already made week one. Good job. Um, be here as much as you can, as best you can. Don't sleep in, right? You know, try not to miss these. If you can't be here for a day, go online and watch the messages because each message I believe is going to be something God specifically wants to say to us. So watch the 10 messages. Next thing is this, is next week we're going to give you a, a, a weekly um, Bible verse card. And we're going to memorize some scripture together because the Bible says that we need to take God's word and we need to put it in our heart because we need to have it close when we're going through hard times. And so we're going to give you this card and we're going to memorize some scripture together, right? And, and we're going to do that. So take that card, keep it with you, memorize those scriptures Next thing is this, is use the prayer cards. Um, around the room, you'll see these, uh, these folded, these pieces of paper like this. Um, these are prayer tents, prayer cards that we passed out last week. We want to give them to you again. You fold this up and then put this somewhere that's prominent for you. Um, it might be your kitchen table. It might be your, 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 your bar area. You're in your kitchen. It might be, you're like, listen, I'm never at my house. I'm always at my office. Take one of these, put it on your desk. And what you do, what I encourage you to do is each and every day, there's a specific thing, subject, part of our church to pray for, to join us in praying for not only this campaign, but praying for our church. And then the weekly memory verses are also on the other side. So if you don't find one around you here, stop by Campaign Central. We can get you one of those as well. And the last thing that you can do to jump on board and to ride this wave with us is to set three faith goals. And I'm going to talk to you more about this next week. But we're going to encourage every single person here to set three faith goals. Three goals that, that you're going to commit to that will extend past the 10 weeks of the campaign so that you can take what God's going to do in your life and allow God to continue that. And so listen, here's, here's the, the thing I'm asking you today is are you in? Are you in? Will you join me? Will you join us in taking this journey on hopping on this wave of God, this movement of God and saying, you know what? I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to commit to this. 
You know, I'm gonna join a group. I'm gonna host a group. I'm gonna read the devotions. I'm gonna pray these daily prayers. I'm gonna, you know, be here on Sundays and, and be a part of these messages. And I'm gonna be open to what God wants to do in me. Because here's the thing, and, and listen, I believe with all my heart that if you will commit to God and you'll take this step, he's gonna meet you. And God's gonna change your life. He's gonna do something in your life that could be miraculous. He's gonna do something in your life that's gonna change you. It's gonna grow you. It's gonna stretch you. And God's gonna do something in our church. But he's only gonna do that if we have faith. And so would you join me in that today? Listen, let's stand together. I wanna pray for us. We're gonna be dismissed today. That's the simple, the simple next step. What step are you gonna take? Are you gonna join us? Are you gonna commit us? If you have questions, stop by Campaign Central on your way out. And let's pray together. Father God, I come to you uh, today. Thankful God for, God, who you are and God, what you've shared with us. God, I've said this several times. I'm gonna say it again, God. Our hope is not in a campaign. Our hope is in you. And God, I believe that when we open our hearts and our lives and we take those steps of faith to position ourselves for you to work, God, you're gonna do just that. And so God, I pray for every single person in this room, God, that you would at this moment give them the courage to make the commitment to be a part of Daring Faith. God, to commit to doing as much as they possibly can to join in to what you're doing and what you wanna do in them. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, I wanna ask you to pray this prayer. If you're willing with me to commit to these next 10 weeks to be open to what God has to say, just pray this prayer and pray it out loud with me. Just say, dear God, I open my heart to you. I open my life to you. God, would you help me to see with eyes of faith? God, I commit over these next weeks to do what I can to hear from you. God, that every step that I take, I ask that you would meet me there. God, will you stretch my faith? Will you grow my faith? Would you help me to live for you more and more? And God, not just me, but will you work in incredible ways in and through this church? God, you've heard our prayers. You've heard our, our hearts. And so, Father, we dismiss now to go and live out what you've called us to. And, God, we look forward to coming back next week and, God, continuing this journey of daring faith. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.